You're listening to Be You with Jackie Moore. So one of my favorite things to do leading up to Christmas is to take time to read both accounts of Jesus' birth found in Matthew and Luke. Um, I have a lot of other things that I like to do leading up to Christmas, as I'm sure you do, but honestly, this year, a lot of those have been obliterated. And so um, I'm really thankful that a few years ago I started doing this, like just going back no matter where I'm at in the Bible, kind of sometimes I'll keep reading where I'm at, or sometimes I'll just pause and totally jump back to Matthew and Luke and read that. Um, But I'm really thankful that I can at least keep one Christmas tradition this year. Um, And I've found that it helps me actually like live out Jesus is the reason for the season, you know, what we say. And I think it's true. Sorry if I said that in a mocking tone. Um, I do believe it. I just think sometimes we just say it without actually dwelling on it. Um, And if we are intentionally spending time focusing on the miracle of his coming to earth, then I think it, it changes like the entire Christmas season for us. So what I will do each year is I pray just like a simple prayer that God will direct my eyes to a specific element of the Christmas story that I have never focused on before. Or maybe I just haven't like focused on it in a while. And I try to keep a record of these. And so it's really cool to go back and see, um, you know, what was really important to me in this year and what was going on. So this is going to sound really churchy, but I literally look forward to God answering the prayer. Like I genuinely get excited and I'm like, okay, this is fun. This is going to be so cool to see how he answers. And I know that sounds super churchy, but it's the truth. I'm easily excited, I guess. I come by it naturally, if you know my grandma. Love you, Nan. Um, But this is just one of the times where I just love like the mystery of God. Ryan and I, my brother, were talking and he said, you know, it's just kind of like, it's like a mystery. We don't fully, like we, we understand Jesus, but we don't fully understand it. And I was like, yes, exactly. That is exactly like how I feel. Um, and I'm still waiting for this, you know, other, for God to answer other maybe areas in my life that I ask him for. But this is something that is really cool that I just know every year the Lord is going to highlight something in the Christmas story that draws me closer to him. So I call it my Christmas theme because I love themes. Um, And so my theme this year is God is with us. God is with us. I think I could just say God is with us like over and over. And it would be like, I don't know, is holy ASMR a thing? I don't really know. If you don't know what ASMR is, that's okay. But um, I feel like I might just record a podcast that's 20 minutes long. You can just like put on repeat just saying God is with you. And you just repeat that to yourself 
all of the time because that is the message of the season. That's the message I feel like of the year. That's the thing that has kept me going is that God is with us. So in Matthew 1, 23, it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. So I kind of just like I pause because I just want to like, I just, I'm fixated on the concept of God being with us right now. Like that is for sure. That's how I know God's answering my prayer because it's almost like I'm hearing this for the first time for myself. It's almost like that's how I feel right now. Um, was just in this season of God reminding me that he is with me. But I want to let I want to dive a little deeper on what God with us would have meant in the context and culture to whom Matthew was writing, and then therefore like what it means to us. So look at Matthew, and then okay, how does this apply to us? So first off, in case you didn't already know, Matthew was writing his account of Jesus to primarily Jewish Christians or like eventual Christians, maybe not. Everyone who read it was a Jewish Christian, but his like target audience was a Jew, someone who's familiar with Jewish customs and hopes to, you know, open their eyes to the fact that Christ was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Christ and the Messiah. Um, well, I guess we could really say the Holy Spirit inspired Matthew to write, but you know, you know what I meant. Uh, one of Matthew's main focuses is the fulfillment of the Old Testament in Christ, which if you think about it, makes sense because he's writing to Jewish, right, audience. So you're going to see a lot of themes coming up where Matthew's tying things back to the Old Testament. Or if you have one of those study Bibles, you know, and it'll tie it back, that's like a really cool thing to do this time of year to go look back and see what is he referencing at these times. So the Jews would have been pretty familiar with what he was writing. Like they would have known about God's promises and laws and Jewish history because being a Jew was like, it was like their identity, like their identity, right? Like more, like they found their identity in that. Think like of the most patriotic American, you know, like 4th of July is their biggest favorite holiday. They like know everything about America Okay, got that person. Now imagine that person's love and like pride in America, but like on steroids. Okay, that is literally how Jews felt about being God's chosen people, which understandably so, right? Like God had chosen them and they had a really rich, long history with the Lord. So they, all Jews, would have been very knowledgeable and well-versed in the Old Testament history because this is in just the Old Testament in general and their, their culture history because this is what they would have grown up learning. Okay, great. So, like, why is this important, right? Like, that's a great little, now you can, that's a good party. All of my party tricks, this is why I, like, don't go to parties because all of my party tricks are, like, random facts about the Old Testament um, or random facts about the Bible. Um, and it's just not as entertaining as you might think. But there's a there's a party trick for you. Now you know a little bit more about Matthew. Well, like, what's the point? What does this have to do with God being with us? Um, well, because we are going to try to see and hear the announcement of Jesus being 
God with us from a Jewish perspective. So like if we think about Matthew writing that, he's writing it to the Jews, what would it have meant for them to be reading it? And that's really important because then it will impact us, right? And it will help us more fully understand. Um, Because to the Jew who had grown up hearing about how their ancestors had made God so upset that he threatened to remove his presence from going with them into the promised land, God with us, literally in the form of a teeny tiny human baby, would have been a really, really, really big deal. Because for a hot second there, it was like a little iffy for the Israelites, okay? So in Exodus 33, 2 through 3, which again, every Jew would have known about this story and this situation. In Exodus 33, 2 3, the Lord is speaking to Moses and he says, I will send an angel ahead of you and will drive out a lot of ites. I don't really know how to say all of them. Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Pezurites, a lot of ites. He's going to drive them all out. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. And remember, this is God speaking. And he says, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people. Otherwise, I might destroy you on the way. Okay, so that's like a lot. And that in and of itself, there's like, okay, wait a second. We were just talking about like the virgin would be a child. And now God's telling Moses that he's going to destroy them if he spends any time with them. I don't understand. Like, I know that there's a lot there. The rest of the chapter goes on to record the exchange between Moses and the Lord. And God ends up not removing his presence, right? He doesn't, I don't have time to maybe go into all of it here. But if you want to go back, refresh um, your history, the Israelites basically had just um, during this time, you know, God had freed them, brought them out of Egypt. He'd provided for them. He'd done all of these things and they were worshiping other gods and they were like making idols while Moses was with the Lord. So God was like, okay, I've had it. Um, so it was not a good time. God was really upset and he threatened to not go with them. He was still going to fulfill their freedom, right? Getting them to the promised land. But at the beginning, if you remember of verse two, it says, I will send an angel ahead of you. But at the end, God says, I will not go with you. That is like, like, can you imagine that? Like hearing God say, I'm not going to go with you. That would have been a really big deal. Okay. Can't you just imagine some Jewish mom in like 30 BC who had just had it with their kids, right? They weren't like, I think the pictures that I've seen, they all seem to like live in one room. And so they hadn't kept their like side of the room, which that's like probably totally not even how it was. But basically the kids had like not picked up all their stuff. And the mom has just had it with the attitude and she just pulls out the old, if you don't obey me, God's present could leave us. Okay. Because he almost did in the wilderness. So listen to me. 
Like, I just feel like, you know, surely a mom somewhere pulled out that history because the kids would have known like that story as well. Um, I don't know that it technically happened, but the first Jewish readers of Matthew would have definitely been aware of these events. So God with us reading that when Jesus was born, that is a really big deal. And to the Jew who had grown up also hearing about Saul's whole tragic debacle, God with us would have been so intriguing. Um, It would have sparked their interest, for lack of better words, that are not currently coming to mind. Um, You may remember, or you you may have no idea, and that's okay too. Saul was Israel's first king. So I'm talking about Saul in the Old Testament here, not Saul Paul in the New Testament. Right? So Saul is Israel's first king. And there's this whole backstory to Israel, even getting a king that was like not a great situation for them, but we don't have time to go into that. Uh, but in 1 Samuel 10, 6 through 7, Samuel, who's a prophet, says to Saul, who's going to be king, the spirit of the Lord will control you. You will prophesy with them and you will be transformed into a different person. When these signs have happened to you, don't do whatever your circumstances require because God is with you. So King Saul, about to be King Saul, is going to be indwelled with the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord will control him and God is with him. This is great, right? This is really good news for Saul, right? I mean, yes, it is. It is really good news until it isn't good news because it's no longer true. Until Saul disobeys obeys the Lord and then he tries to deny it and he's really sneaky about it and God keeps like giving him opportunities through his prophet to repent it doesn't go well and then in first Samuel 15 26 says to Saul because you rejected the word of the Lord the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel and then it goes on to say in 16 14 the spirit of the Lord had left Saul. So again, like think about, think about this. Like to try to think, put yourself in the perspective of a Jewish Christian, right? Because we don't, we don't understand this. We don't, this isn't a thing for us. But just imagine what it would be like to have the Spirit of God guiding you and with you and in you and then it not be there right? Because of your disobedience. Like Saul was so disobedient that he got the spirit of God taken away from him. Like again, another, I mean, like really, this is just setting up Jewish mothers to really like discipline their kids, right? Like you just know when I was like, one of the kids, you know, they're when the mom, back to my analogy earlier, the mom's like, if y'all don't obey me, God's going to leave us. He almost did when they were in the wilderness. And the kid's like, uh, but he didn't. And the mom's like, uh, but he did Saul because Saul was so disobedient. So, you know, to the Jew, God with us, that is a big deal. 
and it wouldn't have been just about events that happened to their ancestors, right? To the Jew who had spent their whole life merely watching the priests walk into certain parts of the temple, relying on this priest to present their offerings and their sacrifices, like Numbers 18 outlines, to the Jew who could never in their life be qualified to go near the altar, it would have been a really, really big deal, this God with us proclamation. And not just a proclamation, but like attached to a child, attached in human form. While studying this, I was just captivated not only by these words at the beginning of Matthew, but also at the end of Matthew. Do you know what the very last sentence Matthew records Jesus saying? The very, very last sentence of the very last verse that Matthew records Jesus saying. Jesus says, And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. I mean, tears streaming down your face emoji, right? I am with you always. So Jesus comes to earth as a baby and it's proclaimed God with us. And he's there with them growing up. So he's staying with them, fully God and fully man, fulfilling his God-given task of perfect obedience to redeem the world. And then upon his resurrection, what does he say as he's leaving? I am with you always. So no longer... Right? Does the Jew have to worry about if God will leave them if they are in Christ? And no longer do we, as Christians, if we are in Christ, have to worry about whether or not God will leave us. The reason that I I went through all of that and took it from the perspective of the Jew, because I think that sometimes we just, because we have been on this side of Jesus, we're on this side of the resurrection and the ascension. Um, we I don't think we fully sit in how big of a deal this is. And with everything that's gone on in my life in 2020 and I'm sure in your life in 2020 there have been a lot of people trying to say a lot of encouraging things and you know the most encouraging thing that I have been told is that God is with me and I know that that is true because I can look at the scripture and see at the beginning of Matthew to the end of Matthew and beyond, because of Jesus' words, he is with us. To the Jewish Christian, this would have been comforting beyond belief. 
and to the American Christian and the Mexican Christian and the Saudi Arabian Christian and the fill in the blank Christian. It should also be comforting beyond belief for you as well because there was a time when the people of God did not have God with them in the way that you and I do. Hebrews 4 says that we have a great high priest who has been tested just like us. He has gone through all sorts of suffering and he is seated on his throne at the right hand of God. And that Jesus, that great high priest, he is with you.